Hello, welcome to the fifth episode of the Empower One Network Conversations. We are so grateful that you decided to join us today. Uh, without your partnership, this movement would not be possible. And so thank you for the many ways that you support us. Uh, well, my name is Chad Vandenberg, and I have the privilege of serving as the director of the Empower One Network, where we are planting churches that plant churches all over Northeast Africa. And God is really blessing us with some uh, amazing church planners who have a vision and a heart to saturate Northeast Africa with a gospel through church plants. And, and we really believe that church planting is the best way to do that now. It's the most efficient way to advance the kingdom on mission together in Northeast Africa. And today's episode, I'm joined by two of our uh, Power One African leaders. I'm joined by Emma Lomo, uh, who serves as one of the pastors, one of the co-pastors at Gure Baptist Church. Uh, he is also a regional leader uh, with Empower One. And then I'm also uh, joined by Richard Yanga, who's also a co-pastor at Gure Baptist Church and uh, is, a, is a leader with Empower One as well, uh, helping us create uh, church planting movements uh, throughout uh, Juba, uh, the city of Juba, where Gure is, is located, and beyond. And man, they are doing a great job. Both of them are, are great students of church planting and more specifically church multiplication. Uh, they both have a great passion for missions and man, they, they love to laugh. And so uh, it's a lot of fun getting to, to serve with them. Uh, both of them have worked on church publication uh, together uh, for a while now. And so they've got a great team there at Garay Baptist Church who are mapping out uh, the community of Garay, the city of Juba, and the surrounding area uh, to really carry out an Acts 1-8 kind of mission strategy there. And so they're uh, very, very uh, gifted in the way they're doing that. As always, I'm, I'm also joined by uh, Mike Congrove, who's our co-founder and executive director of Empower One, Matt Jones, who serves as our director of spiritual development, and Zach Potts, who has leveraged his, his business uh, so that he could serve as the South Sudan liaison. Well, today's episode is brought to you by African worship music. Man, we love worshiping in Africa. It's one of my favorite things to, to get to do uh, when we're on mission trips there. And um, man, there's so many great African worship leaders. Guys, what are some of your favorite African worship songs? And what African worship leaders do you recommend our listeners download as they pray about serving in Africa? I've never heard of this guy named Emma Loma. Loma, he's a... Uh... He's a pretty great worship leader, in addition to being a church planner and a regional director and a pastor and everything else. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. You know, you know what? I, I'm not a huge music guy. I do love worship. And I love worshiping when I'm when we're in Africa. Um but the only when you ask this question, this the the funny, there's a funny song, and Richard and Emma knows it. I mean, everybody knows it. It's so simple is I love when they start we start singing Jesus is number one. Yeah. It just crack. It kind of cracks me up, but then it's also kind of awesome. Like it's both, and it's, it's simple. If someone like me who's not musical, like obviously I can pick up the verses pretty easily. There, that's almost the entire song is Jesus is number one, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, I always get a kick out of it. But I also love when we will just effortlessly switch from one language to another uh, in the same worship service, and uh, it's really wonderful. Yeah. Matt, what about you? 
Uh, yeah, I think um, I don't have a specific artist or song, but you know, I had. I'm like Mike. I like I like the um, effortlessly going from one language to the other. I remember sitting in um, I think it was Yambio one time, and they were singing a song in Bongo, and I remember thinking like, man, I wish I I wish I knew what they were saying. And then it hit me like, well. I think it's pretty awesome that Jesus knows exactly what they're saying. Like Jesus speaks every language in the world. And for me, like I listened to this guy pray in Arabic the other day. Um, one of the local pastors here where I live and I just, I love it. Like, I don't have no idea what he's saying, but I just, it just drives me into a deeper sense of awe and who Jesus is because he knows, he knows every language on the face of the earth. So um, I love listening to the African music, but there's not one specific song that, uh, or one artist that I know of that, that I like, I think that's probably a better question for Emma and Yanga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Emma and Yanga, what, what do you guys like? Yeah, we, we, we really have uh, our African songs that we, we love singing. <laughs> and when we sing them, we can jump. And I think many times maybe, our friends from the U.S., when they visit, they enjoy together with us, especially the song that uh, our brother Mike just said, Jesus, number one, number one. And that song <laughs> exactly has a lot of meaning. It shows that in everything that we do, we have to consider Jesus to be number one. And we also have so many other songs that we sing in the local language that has great meaning. And people usually sing them with joy and happiness. And we, we, we just want to thank God. I personally, I, I, I like it many times when our friends from the U.S. visit us, they are not taken by surprise. Sometimes they join us and dance together and we praise the Lord together. Different tongues, different people together, and you see the joy of the Lord. So right. we love them. We love both American songs and we also love the Western songs and the African songs as we glorify God together. Absolutely. And, you know, worship in Africa is active. There's nothing passive about it. And that's that's what I love about it is, man, just the, you know, jumping up and down and, and worshiping together. Well, Zach, what about you? What are some of your favorite African worship songs? I was thinking about uh, this. And uh, oftentimes we just worship in the waiting and so we can be driving uh, through the bush down really bumpy roads. And, um, you know, I think of Pastor John Monchol singing, uh, I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. Yeah. And then the entire car starts starts singing that. And, uh, man, there's something uh, with uh, South Sudanese worship in the church, especially when the women are gathered that uh, you, you just, you need to experience it in person. And they, they do this um, joyful noise and I'm not going to attempt it, uh, but um, they, you can tell they're excited, they're happy, they're praising. And uh, it's a very high pitched uh, noise that they make in the middle of, of worship or when they're excited. So that's one of my favorite favorite things yeah it's one of my favorite sounds from childhood growing up in africa is is hearing the the women uh it's like almost like a trill but yeah it's, it's really beautiful uh to hear and um, what about you yanga uh yeah um 
in Africa, one of the most things that we enjoy the most is the music. That uh, when we sing, when we sing, we normally go emotionally, and there are several things that happens within the song. And uh, we really took songs serious in a way that, uh, despite the situation somebody might be going through, despite of whatever that might be happening, but when it comes to singing or praising God, I really see uh, the soul being moved by the song. And uh, at the end of the day, it become a greater encouragement to the whole uh, situation and it gives more energy to continue uh, moving ahead. And that is why you realize that in Africa, we really like singing. In most of the time, you will even see that people sing and just sing and sing, but, uh, uh, and, and that is just a healing. It's a healing to the body, healing to the soul, healing to everything. And yeah, there are really other several songs that uh, I'm just sorry that you guys are not even knowing the meaning, but there are other good, good songs. Uh, and that is why sometimes when people sing, you see somebody is excited because the meaning, the meaning touches the heart. And uh, like Hayade Analigo is one of the Arabic songs, uh, this life I got because of Christ. And you can just look at that meaning is a greater meaning. The life I am living is just because of Christ. And then... I, 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 I thank God. And these are just other few, but there are really many songs that are just encouraging in the local languages. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite worship songs is a Nigerian worship song. I grew up singing called Satan, Pack Your Bags and Go. And so we used to sing that when there's spiritual warfare. Or, um, at one of the, the great experiences I had the first time I was in Uganda and South Sudan, uh, last year was uh, a group of our leaders saying that for me because they sing that in their churches too. <laughs> so um, it's really cool to to hear and, and get to experience African worship. So we encourage you uh, to come with us on one of our many trips uh, this year to Northeast Africa. Uh, it's yet another reason that you need to come and discover uh, Northeast Africa for yourself uh, with us. Well, uh, our conversation today is about the unique challenges of planting churches in Northeast Africa, and who better to begin sharing some of those challenges with us uh, than our, our two leaders here uh, who are in Africa planting Garay Baptist Church, Emma and, and Richard. So uh, Emma, why don't you kick us off here? What would you say are some of the, the challenges that you faced planting Gure Baptist Church. Yeah, well, thank you so much, uh, Brother Chad. Uh, Gure, briefly, we started planting uh, Gure when we came to Juba in 2021. That's when we came to Juba <laughs> with the zeal that God has called us to come and plant the church in Juba and then other parts of South Sudan. Yeah. However, we came with the zeal, but with the excitement, 
But of course, in the ground, <laughs> the challenges are always there, as you yeah. say. And uh, one of the challenges I remember personally is uh, when we came, is uh, Juba, first of all, the area is hot. Mm-hmm. I've been used to, 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 to Uganda. It's a little bit cold there in the camps. And when you came to Uganda, it's a little bit, the heat was too much. <laughs> Number two, the other challenge was when we, we were looking for the place where we need to plant the church. Mm-hmm. You know, Juba City is, uh, is uh, a little bit crowded and it's a big city. So mm-hmm. now we were, when we reached Juba exactly and we we're trying to find, figure out, praying to God, Lord, where can we go to which location? Mm-hmm. So as we were praying for that, we, keep, we kept on now moving, moving within the city, looking, surveying the area. And then uh, when we came to the location, God helped us. We got a house and then we started. The first week we started, we were only three. Mm-hmm. We were only three in the house and uh, we started moving to the community. Community to share the gospel with the people. And one of the challenges, of course, is... One is anxiety. Yeah. You know, you begin asking questions. Like me, I begin asking questions. Will, will this really work out? <laughs> will, what if people fail to show up? Yeah. What if people begin to oppose me? Because, you know, in, in, in South Sudan, Juba is a city where most of uh, the, the Sikistefo tribes come in. And some of the tribes because of the long time civil war, some, some of the tribes are hostile. Yeah. So that anxiety of asking such a question, what if somebody chases us away? Those questions, we begin, I mean, I started struggling with it, but thank God that is as human, but God has been working throughout that. This is one of the challenges that we faced. Number two, we faced the challenge of opposition. Of course, as I said, some of the cultures and some of the people, uh, the city is bringing different kind of people, diversity, and some people don't believe in God. Like in Igure, <laughs> in Igure, we have different kind of people who believes, like one of the things that people believe in Igure is that uh, once you go to church, you're already born again. You're, you're already Christian. Yeah. When you're sprinkled, you're already a Christian. When you are given a Christian name, I don't know if you do that in the U.S. Here they believe when you're given a Christian name like mine, Emmanuel, you're already a Christian. So people think you can be a Christian by doing works, salvation by by works. So in Gray, that is one of the challenges as we have been moving. We find it very difficult that most of the people believe in salvation by works. Yeah. So... Yeah, we had to make sure we have to work hard in reaching them and then also spending time with Richard in discipling those who understood what salvation is. Number three, some people don't believe in God. Like the Muslims, they really, we have them in the area. When we are reaching them, some of them say, no, we don't want to listen to you. That's one of the challenges. So that challenge also, if you only depend on yourself like us, if we were to depend on ourselves like myself, then that will be a discouragement, big discouragement, not to go forward. But yeah. thank God we believe, we believe and personally believe that 
my work is to give out the gospel, to proclaim it, and the Holy Spirit does what convicts and brings people, draw people close to God. The, 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 the other challenge that uh, I also faced when we were in Igure, when we were preaching the gospel, it is also uh, a challenge of uncertainty, being uncertain. Yeah. Of, of what tomorrow will bring. Yeah. Uncertain of this, what tomorrow will bring. What if, what if the family refuses? Some of us are under our family members and the family under the care of our families. What if they say no? Hmm. What if anything happens? What will happen? So these are some of the challenges that when we are planting Gure has been ringing in our hearts, but we continue to trust in God and continue to be encouraged with our donors or with our, with, with, with our, with our partners, people like our director in the US side, those of that came along us and many other people came along us praying with us and we've, we kept on moving, moving until right now, when you come to Gure Baptist Church, you see that you see a testimony of what God has done. So okay. I have not mentioned many things. Maybe Richard later will add some of the challenges, but we have a list of challenges, but God helped us to overcome. Thank you. That's amazing, man. That is, it's so encouraging to see that. You started with three people, and then how many are coming now? Hey, Chad. Uh, looks like Emma may be frozen there uh, yeah. with the internet in South Sudan and Uganda being a little... A little fun sometimes. You guys are getting to see what it's like to work halfway around the world uh, with these guys every week here on this podcast video. Um, I can can testify from reports from Emma and Richard. They they have over fifty um, members of that church that are they're actively attending, and I would say on a Sunday morning, you may have uh, sixty children there as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. We all got to be there uh, not that long ago in September. And uh, man, that was, that was beautiful to see uh, everybody come together. And I love the the length of the services in Africa, man. There's like an hour of worship to begin and then an hour of Bible study, usually an hour of, of uh, the sermon. So it's awesome. Well, Mike, um, man, you've been at this for two decades now working in Northeast Africa. What are some of the challenges that, that you've seen uh, over the years, yeah, you know the cha- it, and, and the challenges for us have changed uh, over. You know, yeah, so we've started working, uh, sending guys out, and trying to figure this out in 2006 is when we started. And you know, our original challenge was ju- was just to find trained leaders. And when we couldn't, or when we didn't, um, is when we we started the uh, church planting Bible school that. Um, Matt Jones here on this call and, and Mawa John Leakey, a co-lead in, um, in Africa nowadays. And so originally it was just finding, finding guys, people that you could send, um, different challenge. Now, um, challenge now would be much more, um, probably more financial is just cause we have so many trained leaders. 
um, is wanting to get them out. Yeah. Because um, we've had a lot of momentum. Yeah. Over 18 years. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think the other thing is there's some really practical challenges in the countries we work in. So we primarily focus on South Sudan and Sudan, but we're also, you know, Chad, Congo and refugee camps in northern Uganda and some other places around in that region. <clears throat> um, you know, there's practical challenges like just transportation. There's there's only three really significantly paved roads in South Sudan. Um, there's the practical challenge of communication. Um, like 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 we've kind of experienced here already, just the the ability to keep a, a connection, a phone call, a, a video call is this is all kind of new. Um, but <clears throat> I think the other thing that we really learn is um, is the challenge of keep of keeping uh, everyone encouraged. Um, you know, we we like to say that we've we've made a, you know we made all the mistakes. Um, did everything wrong. I mean, we, we, we now really believe you, you cannot go out by yourself. Um, you can't send a lone church planter into a community. Um, you have to go in a minimum of a pair. Um, and Richard and Emma are a great example here on the call of, of, of planting Gure together. And you need, you need a pair because, and I, we see the wisdom in Luke 10 that Jesus, when he sent the 70 out, he sent them in pairs because, you need some. You need someone to encourage you, and you need someone to hold you accountable. And that changes. Yeah. You know that changes. And so um, I think one of the challenges is, is when you get discouraged. You know, having someone to encourage you. And I think um, we've gotten a lot better at it. But the challenge of having a a network of discipleship going back. So when a church planting team runs into a problem with whatever. It is baptism or witchcraft or deacons that there's a way, you know, the challenge of, of, of having that communication channel back to a more experienced, mature church planter who's been there and seen it and can counsel and, and coach someone through that um, are some are some of the challenges, I think. But I think the, you know, really the the financial, the the big goal for us honestly, it's almost like a dream is financial self-sustainability um, because we work in a context that is extremely poor. Um, it's just, a, there's just a lot of resources. There's also a mindset in, in the existing churches. It's like the reverse of the West. So in the West, certainly in America, it's just understood that the congregants give and support the pastor. That's just a given. And we can talk about, you know, two to 20% do the supporting, all that. That's true in, in our churches, but nevertheless, that's just how it works. Yeah. In a lot of these churches, it's the reverse. The people come and want the pastor to support them. Yeah. Um, and they're asking the pastor for financial support, for resources, for mo a lot more than shepherding. And so establish, establishing a church in that context um, is, is very, very challenging. That's probably our biggest, our biggest challenge. Yeah. No, thank you for that. that it's, it's exciting uh, that there are so many new leaders, new planners coming up that we need more finances. I mean, that's a great problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's really cool. Well, uh, Matt, this is a great segue into Northeast Africa Theological Seminary and the way you guys are producing leaders. I mean, you and John Likimawa leading that 
for us, helping us produce the next generation of church planners. So how are you guys helping these future church planners, future staff members of church plants prepare to face challenges? Yeah, I think one of the things that helps us overcome a lot of these challenges um, compared to like a Western sending missionary organization would be that um, these guys that are going that are indigenous that are going back to near culture or back to their own people. Those challenges are just ingrained in them. They know them. They know how to navigate them compared to a Western missionary that's going to go out on the field. There's going to be years of uh, just culture learning and learning the nuances of uh of what's going on. But um, when it comes strictly to curriculum, um, these guys, uh, all of our teachers at Neats are shepherds, they're pastors. They're not just teachers that that teach biblical concept and theory. Like um, they're all leading churches. They're all missionaries. They've all, they've all done it by example. So they're shepherding these people in a discipleship form on how they can be um, successful. So it's not theoretical. It's very, it's very applicable. Um, another thing is just the way we the way the the curriculum is structured, the schedule is structured. Each term, the students come for one month and they're on campus learning with one another, sleeping in the dormitory, uh, worshiping together, learning together, reading together. And um, after that month, they are commissioned to go back to a local church they've been plugged into and apply what they've learned. So um, there, so it's two months in class. I'm sorry, one month in class, two months in, in practicum, and then they come back and report on it, uh, on how things went. And then ultimately, you don't graduate until you've participated in a church plant. So if you're not actually planting churches, making disciples, and advancing the gospel, then um, then you're not going to graduate from needs. So the way that we, had, the way that the guys in Africa um, prepare these church planners for these challenges is they're they've already faced them by the time they graduate for the most part. So, um, you know, I can't say nothing new is thrown at them because, uh, there's always something new that can be thrown at you, but a lot of these challenges have been addressed before they they're commissioned into the field. Oh, that's awesome. Um, man, it's, that's, it's incredible the way you guys are doing that. And, and it's exciting to see the leadership pipeline just get filled with these, these dynamic leaders that are, that are coming out. And, and man, it's exciting to, to see that happening. Uh, well, Zach, you've had a front row seat, uh, to the development of Gary Baptist Church. How has, uh, your business helped Gary Baptist Church overcome some of their challenges? Sure. So <clears throat> I think with just my experience, um, in business, the way I look at things, um, just kind of naturally comes out. So, um, I've, I've talked on these before about how focused, uh, Empower One is on the spiritual aspect of what we do in, um, in Northeast Africa. And so when I came on board, um, my first introduction was in 2017, and uh, it looked a lot different. Everyone was in refugee camps due to the conflict in the areas that we predominantly uh, based out of in South Sudan. And so moving into a city and to an urban church planning environment looks a lot different than planning a church in a refugee camp or in a village. And so we kind of had to, you know, learn the market, so to speak. And um there's some things that are really exciting is that so many people come to Juba, which Gure is a community inside of the capital city of Juba, and they, they come to visit family. They come 
uh, for to shop, to to get education, and they'll visit this church. And so we have an opportunity for connections, family connections, other leaders to come in and be encouraged by Emma and Richard, and then to go back to their villages. Um, they've seen uh, uh, a church plant already take place in a, in a village they they went to five years ago, talked to them, um, shared the gospel with some of them, and, and the community, you know, said, hey, what's next? And they said, well, you, you know, you need to build a church. And so five years later, they said they, they're passing through and lo and behold, there's a church there and, and they want to know what's next and they need a pastor. So they, through some of their training and um, the different things we're working on together, they, they sent someone there to teach and define leaders, local leaders who are going to come back to Gure, live in the house be discipled intensively for a couple months and then go back to your pastors. And so just being flexible, um, I think is something and being able to, to, to move in that environment and to be different. So we talk about long-term planning. Um, and then, uh, some of the other things we've done, like we've had to talk about shifting this mindset of, uh, doing Bible studies during the heat of the day in the middle of the afternoon, when you would normally do that in a village, and shifting it to the evenings because most of their members are working. Yeah. And then other other areas like it's very expensive to live in the capital city. And so um, the church has set up a system kind of based on a budgeting tool I like to use where they've got three baskets in the church. They've got their ties, they've got their land, and then they've got their building budget. And so they're trying to save and prepare for and so like their building and land budget they don't touch that and so those are just a few of the things we work on together that's awesome man that's excellent um that's really cool that you help with long-range planning and thinking think about that way you know there's some similarities between launching a church plant launching a business and so (laughs) one of those is long-range planning so that's awesome it's really cool well uh richard um as uh you listen to to all of this um what would you like our american partners to learn from your experience planting gary baptist church and then how can they help you multiply the church Yeah, uh, thank you so much for for that. I just want to start from the challenges that we, I want to add more of the challenges that Emma mentioned. Yeah. Uh, the business started all the way uh, from 2019 and uh, we attempted several attempts. In 2020, we tried and uh, Corona broke out, yeah. and after that, everything has to stop. And I think the actual one is started in 2021. Now, in our starting, there are really other challenges that are major, and there are other challenges that are a little bit minor. Yeah. When, uh, when we were trying to start, one of the major challenges that we really encountered was uh, the issue of land. Yeah. Uh, as some of the speakers talk about, like if we want to plant a church in the village, 
it will be more easier to plan even 10 churches before you plan one in the city, like in Juba. Uh, we, 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 we planted, uh, we planted Moyasukun last year and uh, it was very easy to plan Moyasukun and even if we are to continue in the villages, you will realize that it's more easier to plan more other churches in the villages than in the city. Yeah. Because uh, the culture in South Sudan is different. Uh, people believe that what is called church is not the body, which is the body of Christ called out by, by God and set apart. People believe that church, if you want to call something to be called a church, then you must have the building. Yeah. You, must have, you must have a bigger building. And uh, in the building, you should have all that needed inside the building. If it means having musical instruments, if it means designing the house and all that are needed. So because of that misconception in the people, it will become very hard to, to really take like uh, the best approach of church planting. I'm looking at the, the foundation of the church. When we look at the book of Acts, you, you, you will see clearly how the movement of church planting was moving. It was home to home, and it become more easier if we look at that. But then in Juba, you should consider a land. And if you want to consider a land, then you are talking about 50,000 US dollar, or you are talking about 80,000 US dollar, or even 100 plus. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a common uh, issue that church planters around the world face is land, you know, being able to find land. Uh, sometimes, you know, especially in cities, I think that's often that's often a struggle. And um, so that's it's amazing what you guys have done there at Gary Baptist Church, the way you planted uh, so strategically, you know, your, your plan to transform the the community. So um, how can partners in the U.S. help you multiply Gary Baptist Church? What are some things that they can do to help? Will help us to, to multiply the mods. To me, I, I look at uh, like giving more If it means it has to it has to play. If it means designing the essential uh, activities that empower discipleship, then it will really be of help. Yes, thank you, thank you for answering that, Emma. How would you answer that question? Uh, what are ways that churches in the U.S. can help you? multiply Gary Baptist Church? Yes, the first, uh, the first help that we may need from you is your prayer, because we cannot do without prayer. This is number one. Yeah. And uh, number two, as Richard has already put it here, most of our people here need the training. Yeah. We, we, we need you to help us to come along us alongside with I mean, alongside with us 
to be with us in helping, like the trainings that we have, discipleship trainings, like leadership trainings, which Empower One has been doing several times. And when you compare now the leaders now and the when uh, I mean when you compare the leaders of today and five years back, you see a great difference because much time has been invested in discipleship and in leadership trainings. Yeah. And then uh, secondly, we also need your presence because encouragement, you, we need you to come along, come partner with us, you come along and encourage us. We go out for evangelism together. Like many times you have been doing, I remember you came and maybe recently you're coming, we are going to go out for evangelism. And that will be also an encouragement to us, the church planters. It will be also an encouragement to our disciples that we are we are always spending time with, so that they know that we are not alone. Mm. And uh, uh, this is something that we are requesting from you: never leave us alone, <laughs> whether financially, whether physically, whether prayer, whether prayerfully. We need you. Absolutely, no, yeah, and you can know we will never leave you alone. <laughs> it's, it's a privilege <laughs> yeah. to, to serve with you, man. It's such a such a joy, and and you know me personally, I know, and I can speak for the other guys. We learn from you as well, and uh, man, this back and forth, uh, what I call the infinity loop of us learning from each other as we go on a trip together and learn from you in Northeast Africa, man, it makes us better missionaries in our communities here in the U.S. and, and neighborhoods. And, and um, man, serving on mission together just increases the opportunity to advance the kingdom all around the, around the world, both in Northeast Africa and in the U.S. Well, uh, Mike, when partners come to Northeast Africa to serve alongside Empower One Church Planners, uh, what do they need to know about helping them? Yeah. The number one thing is... Um, you, you need to listen. You need to put aside your assumptions and your presuppositions and you need to listen. I, um, when I'm evaluating Americans and sometimes they don't know I'm evaluating them. Um, that's what I'm looking for is, um, are they willing to sit and listen before they prescribe something. Yeah. I've had, um, <clears throat> I mean, it's been multiple occasions. I'm just thinking of a particular story where I met a longtime missionary. He had not met any of our African team. He'd only met me. And he immediately suggested a curriculum that he designed. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that happens often. I think that um, you, the, a Westerner will have gone through some kind of a training and it may be the exact perfect thing, <laughs> yeah. but um, there's just this assumption that that I have what you need, yeah. and because of the socioeconomic context, and because of the culture of being um, so highly relational, so highly welcoming, so so warm to a visitor, mm-hmm. um, an American who hasn't really spent time or thought about this will just feel like oh wow everything i'm bringing they are loving and needing and i am solving so many problems and americans are uh, obsessed with problem solving um and our african partners are obsessed with relationships with you 
And so um, the that's the thing. Uh, I, 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 my biggest encouragement for a Westerner would be before you teach, before you preach, before you talk about strategy or methods is investigate and listen and and what do they really need? What, you know, just even on this call, you, I thought Richard Yanga did a great job of articulating the difference between a village church and a city church. Yeah. You know, for years we avoided cities and it's partly, this was the reason there it's a it's, it's just a different strategy. Um, you, you know, we, in a rural area, there's, <clears throat> there's, we plant churches under trees. Um, you're dealing more with illiteracy. There, there's a whole different context there. Um, and then Juba, the capital city, is a different context. So I think stopping and what do you really need? Um, and then shaping what all these great resources we have in the West, we have so many we can bring to bear, then bring the right one um, that they're actually needing and asking for. So um, that's my, that'd be my biggest piece of advice for a Westerner partnering with, uh, with an African. Yeah, that's so good. That it's so true. Um, man, thank you. Thank you for that. That's, it's so important to, to listen. And um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Well, Matt, um, we're, we're beginning a, a year long residency that we're launching uh, really two 18 week semesters uh, to help prepare Northeast African theological seminary students to plant churches out of flagship church location centers. So um, how can partners help us do that? Sure. Um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people and invite them to come to Africa and they're like, well, you know, I'm not really, that's not really my thing. Like, well, with this new flagship um, initiative that we have to try to, our goal is to make the church self-sustaining. We have business opportunities. We have teaching opportunities in education, biblical teaching, preaching. Um, there's really nothing that you, there's really no one that's excluded from that invitation because you can bring some value to the field. And just like uh, Emma said, you know, just uh, that the human, the human interaction of just being on the ground with these guys is more encouragement than, than people know. But, um, but the goal of these, uh, of these, of this residency is to just infuse life into these flagship churches these graduates of, uh, I'm sorry, these uh, flagship leaders are going to be graduates of NEETS. And then we have these students who are about to graduate or newly graduated from NEETS will come and apply more heavily what they've been doing. And so it's going to be mutually beneficial for the, uh, for this, for the graduates or students, they're going to be able to um, really get some uh, on the job training underneath these, the leadership of these flagship churches. And then these, uh, these pastors are just going to be refreshed and renewed and uh, just getting uh, getting the interaction that they have with these young, uh, zealous church planners who are going to come and just breathe life into their church and multiply leadership and make disciples and help train church planners. And these residents may be the church planners that come out of this flagship. So um, it's a big task. There's a lot of uh, prayer that needs to go in the success of this, you know. All the money and all the skills don't do much if if it's not bathed in prayer and God's not uh, blessed it. So um, we need a lot of prayer. Um, our goal is to canvas South Sudan with the gospel and Sudan with the gospel. And um, it's going to take a lot of prayer and a lot of time and a lot of patience. But um, the two, I, I would say the thing that people can do to help partner with Empower One is um, prayer. 
another thing is come over, be a part of it, witness it, encourage the people. And um, lastly, is just help us help us uh, make this happen financially and partner with us because, um, you know, unfortunately, this does take some take some dollars to make it happen. And um, I think that the people will be blessed by partnership in this. They're going to see the gospel move throughout South Sudan and they're. They're not just supporters. They're, I mean, they're full-on partners. We can't, we can't do this without our American partners. So um, we truly consider them to be part of the team and um, a very, very important, essential part of the team at that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about this. Uh, it, 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 there's a huge need to, to pray, as you said. Um, I think anytime you do something in um, emerging extremely unreached areas, uh, man, bathing it in prayer and, um, in order for it to launch successfully. And, um, man, I'm excited. There's, there's so many, uh, opportunities for us to, to plug us partners into, uh, the, the different places in the residency from supporting to participating to, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities there. So that's exciting. Well, um, Zach, if you could give pastors in the U S advice on how to help empower one church planners, what would it be? Well, goodness, I've heard uh, kind of what I had in mind spoken from our African leaders and the other American leaders on this call. And um, that's really to, well, I think it boils down to is, is to, to come over there. I I, I kind of think we that's where you want to start. If you can listen to this or or read our material or go to our website and be encouraged enough to to pray, that's amazing and awesome. And I, we know that God does things through prayer that that are unexplainable um, from our viewpoint sometimes. But I I think I could just kind of start with a a story and. Um, my first trip in 2017, uh, Richard Yanga was my translator uh, one day. And we stayed connected through Facebook Messenger for several months after that. And I really, really understood after that why when, when this idea of going on a short-term trip was presented to me. And all I wanted to do was to like find out why God wanted me to work in South Sudan when I had zero connections and um, really just had this location that he had laid on my heart. Um, but encouragement was so important. And so all these years later, here we are, neither one of us knew each other pre-2017, and he's uh, planted churches in refugee camps. He and Emmanuel have planted a church in the capital city with the opportunity of reaching all 64 tribes in South Sudan. And these guys continuously, continuously tell me how much they appreciate our involvement and our coming and our, our conversations on Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. And so I would encourage you as pastors to come and visit and to send your, your church members and the blessings will be returned, I believe, to your body as, as, as your members come back encouraged um, to be on mission locally. So that. Absolutely, man. That's exciting. You're right. You, you can't go to Sudan or South Sudan 
Chad, Uganda, or work with the guys in the DRC without coming back unchanged. I mean, it, it is so transformative and um, it's exciting, I think, uh, to to have this opportunity to get to, to mobilize U.S. pastors to come and, and work with guys like Emma and Richard. And uh, So Emma, uh, as you think about uh, your experience planting your Baptist church, uh, what's been the hardest challenge that God has used you to, to overcome? Yes, one of the hardest challenge is um, a feeling of giving up. <laughs> that feeling of giving up, especially already mentioned uh, some of the challenges that we faced, like the voices where some people, we reach them, they are not responding, people are not saved, are not getting saved. A feeling of like, Am I really doing right? Am I the right person? Asking such a question, like that feeling of saying, okay, maybe God has not called me. Mm. So I had to, I had to overcome those voices, the voices of like giving up, those voices of discouragement that makes me to give up. I had to overcome it by trusting God and say, going down on our knees and say, God, you are the God of the harvest. Yeah. You have called me. My work is to reach out with the gospel. The work of converting people is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So as we were there on the ground, we continued and we focused and we kept on going out, preaching and sharing with the people. And at the end, excitement started to come back. When we saw the result later, after overcoming the doubt, after trusting in God, after believing that his grace is sufficient amidst all challenges, we finally, when you come to Gure, you can see us smiling because of what God has done. <laughs> That's awesome. That is beautiful. Yeah. It is great system. Yeah. Right. We can't do anything apart from God. And that's the, the beauty of the culture of Empower One is we believe in, in abiding and man, that we can do nothing apart from God. And that becomes really apparent when you're on the mission field trying to plant churches. <laughs> Uh, you you have to rely on God for that. It's a it's a it's a miraculous thing that, that He does. Well, uh, Richard, how would you answer that question? What is a, a hard challenge that God has used you to to overcome as you think about uh, planting Great Baptist Church? Yeah one one of the hardest challenge that I can you still remember it was uh, last year when we had one of the serious security issues around and it was it was just looking like there's no hope as if uh, war is going to break out within the city and it was really very hard and uh, I was just feeling like is there really hope of living again? Mm. Or we had to just maybe see what next we can do. Yeah. That was one of really my strongest feeling and it was very hard. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, as we close our time together, Mike, would you pray for Emma and Richard and uh, as they continue to plant Gary Baptist Church, they can, they're dreaming about multiplying throughout the community, throughout Juba and beyond. Uh, would you close us in prayer? I'd love to. Father, thank you for um, <clears throat> today, Lord. Thank you for this time uh, together and the technology even, Lord, to, to see each other and hear one another 8,000 miles apart and Lord, we do pray for our brothers, Richard and Emma, Lord, and uh, so many other uh, leaders like them within Power One and other other groups, other organizations, other denominations, Lord, that uh, are working um, in hard places like South Sudan, Lord. But uh, I pray for encouragement for Emma and encouragement for Richard, Lord, we um Listen to your instructions, and Father, we pray for laborers to come alongside them. Uh, we praise you that from from three people in a in a small location, there's a a house now with more than fifty who are worshiping you, and more than sixty children singing and learning worship songs, like we like we start, talked about at the beginning. And um, <clears throat> Lord, as you're expanding their heart and giving them eyes to see, like you see. Um, in surrounding communities. We've already mentioned a few of them. I pray, Lord, that you'd help them expand, expand your kingdom or let people know your kingdom is here in in these surrounding villages and surrounding areas. And, and Lord, um, <clears throat> I pray for the resources for them and for partners. And I pray that we as Americans would be would be good partners to them and you would teach us how to partner well and love them well and encourage them. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you, Emma and Richard, for investing in time. And uh, it's great to get to see you guys and hear from you. I can't wait to see you soon in person. So thank you guys. For thank you so much. Stay encouraged, guys. It's great to see you all. Thank you so much for joining the uh, fifth episode of the Power One Network Conversations. We were really grateful for you guys and grateful for uh, your time and the opportunity to share all that God is doing through Empower One uh, Church Planner. So uh, check out the next episode. Our sixth episode is going to be amazing. So don't miss that. Thank you so much. And take care. <laughs>